Nick, say some things. Uh, hi. <laughs> I would definitely recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> jokes only! Raw Japes! Hi, Japes! Jakes? I said Japes. Oh, I thought you said Jakes. Uh, what do we... History does include what Jakes, are we What are we talking about today? Uh, oh, fuck. This? You know what, Chris? It's October 7th, 2015. This is Idle Thumbs 231. I'm Chris Remo. I'm James Spafford. I'm Jake Rodkin. I'm Nicholas Brecken. <laughs> this is our first No Danielle episode in a while. Yep. Hi, Danielle. I hope you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you'll be blown away by how many new hot games we've played this week, Danielle. Oh, this, is our, this is our letter to Danielle <laughs> <Yeah, right. laughs> An open letter to Danielle Riendo. <laughs> right. Please be on this podcast again. <laughs> Please come back. We should reiterate that uh, Danielle is going to be launching a new podcast on our network called Idle Weekend with uh, Rob Zachney of Three Moves Ahead and Esports Today. And that our intention is that that will be live sometime this month. So um, just we will mention on this podcast whenever... The first episode is up, and we might put a clip of the first episode on this podcast yep. to, to introduce you to it. So just, you know, stay tuned to this feed, and you will you, hear about it. You can also follow Idle Weekend on Twitter. There's no tweets oh, there that's true. yet. But it's a shell of a Twitter it's account. It's an empty account. But you can some, be, like, the second person to yeah, follow it. But at some point, a tweet might appear there that tells you that an episode is here. Yeah, just the feed is Idle Weekend. It's an egg right now. It's a good, it's yeah, a good Twitter account. It's a bad account, but it's mm-hmm. there. It'll eventually be real. Everything you've ever heard about those egg Twitter accounts is true of at Idle Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be putting up like a shitty anime face on it uh, next oh, week. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird move that would be as branding for Idle Weekend. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I saw a guy on BART today on, on the train to work. Yeah. And I didn't see him from the front, so I could not speak to the front of his outfit, but his T-shirt was like a black slightly too tight t-shirt for how this guy was built with like a screened like silk screened single color american flag like just sort of the you know the stars and stripes in like mm-hmm. just sort of half tone dither and in the foreground of that was a black and white line art back of like a super ripped goku with just his with, <laughs> with just his blonde hair so it was like goku standing there in like a tank top with the american flag in front oh of him God. and it was all from behind and i just i so never saw you, this guy turn when around you started telling the story i was like oh it's gonna be about a goku shirt like obviously it's gonna be about a goku <laughs> shirt and then you're like and it has this like half tone dithered american flag and i'm like oh okay it's gonna be a totally different thing holy shit no 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 chris it was clearly a goku oh, in front of the american flag oh, man. uh anyway idle weekend a new podcast coming we miss you danielle we're talking about goku shirts three minutes into the episode <laughs> when you're not here <clears throat> you guys see that far cry primal trailer 
I mean, I know you did because I watched. <laughs> yeah, that. I was yeah, I watched that trailer. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that we did. Yeah, <laughs> we're just on like the exponential ramp of what Far Cry is yeah. is inevitably about. Yeah. It has now just been declared. Right. I'm actually well, animals piling animal, on each other. Well, so don't we, even don't even have interesting opinion yet until we get generic opinion out of the way, Nick. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Wait, the Far Cry games have been. I mean, that curve is also. You can overlay the curve that you just described, Jake, onto the curve of like animal murder in terms of its primacy relative <laughs> to the rest of okay, yeah, Far yeah. Cry games, and that is the same curve. Animal murder, the Far Cry feature. I thought for a second that there was a game or game series that I was well, not aware Cabela's of. Cabela's Big Game, or I mean, it's, yeah, no, it's called <laughs> Animal Murderer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> animal but like that was a thing that in so in Far Cry Two, you can sort of inadvertent. I mean, in Far Cry One, I don't remember what the deal with killing animals was i don't no, really think that was a thing it's just like game. a load of islands yeah. and you hang and then, glide around right and then yeah. far cry 2 it's like okay there are animals and they walk around and you can kill them you couldn't kill a lot of them though some of them you couldn't kill that's true like the zebras and the larger things i think there's sort of the smaller whatever doodad type animals i think you, do you kill those you know, animals. you know what i'm talking about you kill you know, the doobacks little... yeah <laughs> and then far, far cry 3 and 4 i feel like just pushed that further with like as they got into the sort of craft a wallet from killing 40 pumas or whatever you did right. i can't so remember and then this like, game is just like far cry primal is just admitting that that was what far cry is now effectively about as far as they're concerned is just watching a bunch of animals pile on top of yeah. each other killing them skinning them and making stuff yeah. out of them so they make you a caveman i guess let's boil it down to the basics what is far cry it's hunting yeah. skinning making a wallet <laughs> Make who did that first your, like caveman pre-capitalism like beads or whatever yeah. maybe there's mm-hmm. a deeper sim element where you actually evolve through your crafting and then you eventually invent capitalism <laughs> man that would tie in so i the, i read an article about this game just like a little like blurb basically and it described the setting as prehistoric which which it is but it it wrote it a hyphenated pre-historic and in, in sort of a, a quaint kind of way like that and when i read it that way it it my brain just like instinctively <gasps> this leads to history yes that's exactly <laughs> what i thought and then i'm like and and then because i just so i'm such a shitty like video game person who just has video game references in my brain i had a, like a microsecond where i confused this series with assassin's creed no. which is, you know what's which funny? is ubisoft's actual series about history like right. ostensibly I, uh, <laughs> I actually thought this was an, like they did that crazy like whatever 12 hour reveal of this where it was just live streaming a cave wall that was slowly zoomed the camera was just slowly oh. zooming out and you thought it was going to be caveman assassin's creed i thought for sure it was going to be caveman assassin's creed <laughs> and then um I found it was whatever Far Cry Primal, and then the first thing I assumed, whoa, it's just going to be some goofy dinosaur game. All right, I get it. They're just going to go all out. And right, that trailer it. ends with the good dinosaur. Yeah, like, that's what I figured. Shit. I figured they were just <laughs> yeah. be, they would just do the dinosaur no. game that everybody wants. What's actually going to happen really strange. is the game itself is going to end is going to end with yeah, like right. alien Pope. Like Apple staff, no way, guy who no, ties no, this no, in. Chris. The last thing that you craft in Far Cry Primal is a Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and then he just buttons it up, Best and then it prequel. cuts his Far Cry. Right? Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Far Cry One. Yeah, this is Far Cry Zero. It ends with you and your girlfriend getting on a speedboat. Yeah. And then you get shot and have amnesia and there's aliens and government conspiracies. No, it's like Be- mutants and stuff in, in Far Cry 1. Yeah. Oh, I thought... You're thinking I- of Crisis. Oh, that's yeah. right. There's mutants and stuff and stupid smugglers that also yeah. are involved with mutants. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's then going to be revealed that the Far Cry Primal situation is in fact like an M Night Shyamalan esque isolated. Yeah, like group. Planet of the Apes thing, where where this isn't actually well, doesn't, prehistory. Okay. It's doesn't doesn't the end of this oh, teaser sort of imply that, that might yeah. be the case or something? It's something is up. Like Nick, you yeah. you had a response. To My the, response was not related to that. Oh, because a stupid splicer shows up in the last like three seconds of this video. Yeah, I suppose it's a splicer. Wait, what was yeah. your reaction to that? My reaction to that was that it actually struck me as. Um, uh, so, like if I don't know when, did, when the did anybody, less caveman-y looking person showed up. No, yeah, just, well, yeah. Did anybody play the forest, which is a game? That oh, was, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it looked it exactly look like that. Like that the, all the nighttime survival no. stuff looked it, like the forest as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even the animation. But now, anyway. when that when that weird lady yeah. showed up at the end with the splicer mask, my assumption was there's a right because you can't you can't do. Uh, you're a caveman straight. It has to be high concept caveman right. where there's also Especially an evolved an society man. off to the yeah. side that lives in. Yep. Uh, yeah. You know they've got they've got like they, they've already got ionic columns. They have to also mm. like Lost has to be in here somehow. Like, <laughs> what if the cavemen found Lost? <laughs> I was kind of intrigued by like obviously they're cavemen and so they speak caveman language but that was um, european uh, yeah okay that was I, was, european trailer I was actually staff. concerned i was actually concerned that <laughs> we had, we that we had that. accidentally because the trailer we watched had a peggy rating and i was <laughs> i was briefly concerned that we had just yeah. loaded up like a deep eastern european or deep scandinavian <laughs> yeah. localization of that trailer and there is in fact an english version but i think they are speaking quote caveman language yeah and we I are assume. not being offensive and it's not just like well you're being offensive yeah well, the rest of us aren't. <laughs> so, like, many people will oh, enjoy yeah. playing a thing with subtitles on, but many people are not into that at all. So, I wonder how they'll deal with Maybe that. Maybe there's no subtitles? Maybe it's just fucking... No, there's no way. Maybe you <laughs> craft the English language. You, uh, yeah. You just, it very rapidly develops kill into enough, English. <laughs> killed enough mammoths to craft an alpha... Like a dictionary. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> you write it in blood. You craft... You kill... You wipe out enough panthers to craft, like, manual of style... <laughs> you craft strunk and white. The gentleman's <laughs> companion. <laughs> You've created Wikipedia. Yeah. It just sounds like a fake Game of Thrones language. All the dialogue in that sounded like Game of Thrones. Mm. Like fake fakeos. Fakeos. <laughs> Frauds. Yeah. So this game comes out in like February for sixty dollars. So it's a full it is a full priced game. Because we were wondering, oh, is it like a spin off? Yeah. Is it like thing? a blood dragon? Right. No, it seems seems like it's a full on like the next Far Cry game. I don't know. Kotaku was speculating like, oh, they're making a real Far Cry 5 and this is their sort of off year, you know. That was Nick's kind of a theory as well. That that seems like what's going to happen, right? I mean, there's no way that they don't also announce a Far Cry 5 later that is a a tropical hunting game with Jeeps and shit. Given, Given the fact that they're at this point, like there is just no, I mean, I'm not lamenting this. I'm just commenting like there's. There's no sanctity whatsoever to the notion of what the Far Cry world or property is. Like, it's just whatever they want it to be in mm-hmm. a sort of vaguely, like, pastoral or tropical environment of some kind. And you fight things. Like, that's that's a Far Cry yeah, game. There's like, no real lore <laughs> or yeah. anything so at, at that, all. Like, if right? it's going to be that, and if the Assassin's Creed series is going to just unto itself be so up its own ass in terms of just its crazy lore labyrinth that is constructed over the last decade basically i at that at this point i feel like you might as well just merge them and this might as well just be 
like Assassin's Creed Prime, where the where the aliens come to Earth for the the first time and seed now, all the stupid. The shit next Assassin's, Assassin's Creed game is going to open and the with Assassin walks over out of the spaceship. Oh, yeah, whatever his name is. No, you'll you'll be you'll get the new Assassin's Creed game, install it. The opening cutscene from Far Cry Primal will play, <laughs> and then it pans out, and you're playing it on a computer inside of that game testing facility. <laughs> yeah. But then the content from that also just infects this game when you end up. Well, then, then a mammoth, like, and then a mammoth just like busts through the wall of your video game development studio. Right, that's Jumanji yeah. now. <laughs> Far Cry Jumanji. <laughs> so totally in Far Cry Primal. I don't know. It's a. It's an interesting. Concept, I guess, for a game. It's been a while since. I feel like there have been games set in sort of prehistoric environments, but I Turok? not not recently. Turok, yeah, Turok, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he has dinosaurs. In mind. Those dinosaurs, yeah. Oh yeah, it's not really cavemen. Yeah. So no. The yeah. the early uh, Tomb Raider games weren't obviously set in that time, but sort of had fewer people and was. <laughs> <laughs> and guns, but you and killed a lot of animals. Yeah, you shot dinosaurs. You shot with guns. not since Bonk's adventure <laughs> for the Turbo, uh, Turbo Graphic 16. Yeah, uh, there are a bunch of caveman games on like the Amiga. And There's stuff. in fact yeah. a game called Caveman Games. I think Caveman like a, Games, like a, like a California game style situation. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Oh, I think that is true because there was also one called the Caveman Ugg Olympics. I've just found accidentally. Ugg Ugg Olympics. Yeah, I remember mm. that. Not approved Stuff. by the uh, International by Olympic the Committee. International Ugg Olympics Committee. Yes. <laughs> the Ugg Olympics really fuck up uh, caveman societies. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Every t- every cave that's hosted the yeah. Ugg Olympics just oof, never never been the same. <laughs> really messed with the infrastructure. Anyway, what's another thing we could talk about that isn't this thread? <laughs> so about this crazy game Spaff, that's on the screen yeah. so spaff brought over did you bring this over to show us or did you just happen to have it with no, you? no so i spotted that you had that midi controller lying around and which i was going to purchase to play this game on um and grabbed it to have a game on uh this is panoramical yeah um it's made by uh david kanga who did um proteus the music for proteus oh cool okay um and someone else whose name i've forgotten um but it's like a weird and it's being distributed by Finji, right? Finji. By Adam Saltzman's oh, company. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and maybe Polytron? Yeah, I think those oh, two. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, so we have it set up. Do you want to play it, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. So what exactly is that? Uh, so what we have here, well, I'll, well Spaff is like, yeah, so device. we have just a generic MIDI controller with dials and faders on it. And the game can be controlled by any MIDI device. So what it, what the game is doing is it's rendering a like 3D soundscape or like a like a 3D sort of seascape I suppose just visual representation of music. It's kind of like controlling a uh, like a Winamp visualizer if you guys remember what that was like to like download crazy audio visualizers on your MP3 player in the early 2000s. It's like that but fully 3D and you have huge amounts of control and as you mess with it the visuals and the sound both change. So, like, you can hear those higher frequency elements come in and out, and that's as I'm, like, messing with these like faders. Like, slowly turning dials and knobs on the MIDI yeah. controller. And you just kind of fuck around with it. The music in this level is by Dose One. He also did the music for Gang Beasts. Um, 
other cool things. Biome's so, like, done some music for this game. This is everything on this level turned all the way down. And this is everything on this level turned all the way up. And then, you know, you can fuck with, like, different versions of it and, like, different states in between. And then you can, like, back out of any level and select a new level. Okay, so now I'm in a new level that's, like, a crazy, like... Oh, wow. Just, like, out of phase, almost. Yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so I have everything turned down now, so I can probably bring things in a little bit. The thing there. this game actually reminds me of quite a lot is uh, on the original Nintendo DS, Electroplankton. Yeah, oh, yeah. It is very much Electroplankton, which was just a strange music and rhythm toy that you could kind of compose things on seemingly but you were also mostly just sort of screwing around with a bunch of musical layers yeah in this game some of the soundscapes definitely feel like you have much more like some of these i feel like i'm just like this one i just feel like i'm sort of fucking around you're just dialing the intensity of layers up and down yeah but some well not even that like i can't even really perceive what i'm doing all the time but some of the levels really do feel like you're basically doing a DJ set in real time where you're controlling, you know, like actual musical elements that are coming in and out and you're crossfading intentionally and it feels like you're, you can control like the beat coming in and out and like, you know, the sort of percussive elements in the background and like how rich the soundscape is and it feels like you could be, some of these, it feels like you could be using them like in a club setting and actually driving, you know, a, a, a dance floor. It's cool and some of them aren't. Some of them are just like this and you're kind of just fucking around. It's called Panoramical. How much is this game, Seth? Uh, I think it's like 10, 15 bucks. Okay. There is actually a professional version of it available for 100 bucks. Oh, really? That, um, yeah. That you, what does that do? It gives you the license to use it as a visualizer. Um, like in a pu- on, in public? As in a show. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it also gives you um, more options for, uh, for like controlling it. Oh, cool. Devices and like adding in your own control schemes and stuff. Does it let you like hook up a like a gamepad if you don't have a weird MIDI controller? Yeah, okay. you can you can use keyboard controller, and it also detects a whole bunch of MIDI controllers. Try playing some different levels. Some of them are way more musical than others. Some are just <clears throat> really odd. But yeah, it's just a fun, weird, visually appealing. I just watched um, Fantasia for the first time, so this is like. Kind of vaguely interesting to me about that. <laughs> yeah, you, watch, you just watched Fantasia for the first time. I know. Yeah. Oh wow. I, know, I think I've watched every Disney film other than that. That's it was the original Fantasia and yes. not Fantasia 2000. Correct. Good. You did it. Although I did go in and watch some of Fantasia 2000 just for the fun of it. We uh, in Seattle a few months ago. We watched. Um, we went to. Did I mention this on the podcast? We went to a live performance by the Seattle Symphony of a bunch of segments from Fantasia and Fantasia 2000. So like they projected them on the screen and then the orchestra played like in time, the that's actual really cool. pieces wow, live. Really cool. It was really, really cool. Unfortunately, they played more of Fantasia 2000 than of the original Fantasia. And it revealed what a piece of shit that movie is compared to the original <laughs> Fantasia. Yeah. Like there are good segments in it, but the average quality <clears throat> is so much lower. It's crazy yeah. how much worse it is than the original film. 
That film was my dad's favorite movie. He watched it when he was a child in, oh, man. in like theaters and then like could never ever see it again until he yeah. was in his adult yeah. life, which is crazy. In the nineties, Disney had a great run of re releasing movies back into theaters. Yeah. And that was the first time he saw it. Well the second time he saw it or something. Imagine holding your favorite movie like that, never being able to actually see it. Yeah, it's crazy. Chris, you're doing weird shit. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can turn this off for now. Yeah. But uh, um it's cool. It's called Panoramical. And it's fun to fuck around with. Man, they actually made a specific... You could buy a panoramical MIDI controller, which I don't know if they... It feels like they sold out of them instantly, and I don't know if they're doing more prints of them or not, but you can get... Like, they sold just literally a collection of, like, 10 by 2 row of MIDI knobs that can, that you could use as, just awesome. a, as a specific yeah, controller. Yeah, it's like 100 bucks. Like yeah. It's just gone now. They only made 50 of them. Yeah. They, it looks, but you can just use a standard, like, one of those guys is about $60-ish. Yeah. This is a Korg Nano Control 2. Yeah. Yeah, anything uh, that is of that style, if you look it up, that's just a lot of sliders and knobs that use MIDI you can use to just do what Chris is doing right now. <laughs> okay. I mean, you I can't, what, how am I supposed to do with this? You can show it. Yeah, so that is a cool thing. I I knew that this game existed, but I don't think I even knew enough about it to realize this is what it was. So I'm glad you brought it over, and I'm glad you that we had a weird device for you to notice <laughs> and plug into your laptop while you were waiting. Yeah, for the I've been browsing this for a while because I just wanted to get one to play it on properly. Nice. Um, so yeah, I recognized it. Cool. Yeah, Thanks that MIDI controller that. is is our programmer Ben uses it for shader tuning. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> yeah. This is a, that's a tip, by the way. If you um, do work that involves, like any any kind of work that involves fine tuning numbers, even if it has nothing to do with audio, a really 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 great way to fine tune numbers is to use um, dials and knobs on audio and music MIDI controllers. If the software you're using supports MIDI control, it is so much more intuitive and like to dial in that float. Yeah, it's true. Uh, that's just a tip for software. Computers. Yep. My life was changed after watching uh, that that insane visualizer for the last like ten minutes. Yeah. Are you more at peace now? Or something? I'm at peace. What I'm ready for? It's Far Cry Primal. <laughs> uh, man, no, it's ruined. It's ruined now, Nick. It's ruined. <laughs> Whatever I was feeling before was replaced by oh, visions man. of a thousand spears killing a giant mammoth for no reason <laughs> to make a huge wallet. Um. <laughs> Nick, I heard you've been playing video games. Oh, man. I've been playing a really dumb video game. What is that? Um, so I saw... <laughs> so this piece of shit, Panoramical. <laughs> uh, no, I was uh, I was on Twitter the other day, and I saw a review for this game. And uh, usually I would not click on a link uh, to a review ever. of a game ever. like this. <laughs> or ever. Okay. Um, but it was World of Warships, which... Oh. So so here's the thing. That's the world of tanks people, right? <laughs> yes, it is the world of tanks people. Um, is ships capitalized? I, no. no. They're not using Blizzard. They're not style. using Blizzard uh, style guide. They, yeah. they also made World of War planes, right? Yes, they yeah. have a whole World of War blank. Crap. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they've done land, air, and sea. Yeah, but like I've been very uh, in the dark on like I remember being at trade shows and I would see the wargaming.net booth, which was always just massive, and people were just you know 
all over that booth. Just, oh, yeah. People are well, nuts for these games. Doesn't World of Tanks have a competitive scene of some kind? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, extremely yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. robust. And, hey, World uh, of Thanks to World of Tanks. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so uh, I was curious of, to check out. Um, I mean, I read this review, and it was a, a fairly decent review. And I went, all right, I guess I'll check this out. Um, and then sort of as a byproduct, you know, gather some understanding of what this, like, massively popular thing is now. Um Turns out it's actually a pretty decent game, which is, I guess, the most surprising thing because I assumed it being kind of free to play, or at least I, I guess, just not knowing much about World yeah, of that, Tanks. Yeah, that's like the thing that you sort of assume in the air. I assume yeah. it, it is a a a really aggressive slot machine kind of uh, you know structure where it's it's pulling you along and then at some point saying spend bucks to get the cool tank or the cool ship. Uh, as it turns out, you can't actually even do that if you want to. I mean, there are a few um, ships in this game. I guess I should just talk about the game generally. It's very simple. It's um, it's uh, it's sort of an arcade simulation, which is you know whatever a blend of the two, right? But more on the arcade side um, of uh, of just World War II naval warfare, I guess. Um, but it's sort of broken down in a very like I don't know Team Fortressy way, where there are sort of different ship types, and they all sort of complement each other. And you're on teams of like ten or twelve mm-hmm. at the start of a round. You're at you know opposing ends of the map, and then you can um, sort of like uh, like zoom all the way out and get a really nice like strategic view of everything. And a lot of it is like actual uh, you know teamwork and like coordination. Um, it's just a good like decent multiplayer um, round based cool. thing. It's just really surprising to me because the rest of the game is actually um, a uh, a fairly um, uh, uh, <laughs> it's it's not an annoying um, uh, treadmill, you know. I okay, mean, like sure, it's, yeah. they, they're actually like um, you know you can upgrade your your ships um, and you, you know, like I said, you can there are like two ships I think that you can just outright buy, but the rest you can't possibly even you know do that. You have to actually like play the game and, and get better at the game, and um, I don't know. There's not a lot to say about it. It's just uh, it was really interesting to dip into the waters of all that craziness. And realize which how is wrong you were. Dip, well, in a dip way, into the dip waters into the world of warships. Yeah. So yeah. Um, no, I mean like dip it, into our waters, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> but if you stripped out the the sort of wargaming.net aspect of this game, it would be the sort of game that I don't know would have been popular on Steam like six years ago, probably. But you I know? mean, it is really popular though. Oh, it is very popular. I'm just saying. To you're me, saying it would have also been being six years ago. You're just saying it's timeless. Well, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to say like 15 years ago or something, like on the PC strategy. Yeah, that, I meant 15. I'm just getting six old. Six years ago. Like, <laughs> just, yeah. Six years ago. Oh, two, what, 2001. Like when you, yeah, when you're yeah. like, man, 2000, 2005, that was what, like three years ago? Yeah, that's that's exactly what <laughs> oh, my brain just did. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. classic classic but, six years ago, yeah. 2009. Mm-hmm. Gross. Uh, anyway, yeah, there's not much to say about it other than, um, you know, it's, uh, I would check it out if you, if any of, the, if, if World of Warships sounds like well, an interesting title to you. Why do you, th- well, you're a, um, you're like a, you used to play Silent Hunter, right? Submarine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Submarine games? Yeah, this is a, I can't imagine it's as simulational as that. It is not, but, um, you know, uh, things that surprised me were that there are, you know, there's a destroyer class of ship that sort of specializes in torpedoes that you kind of, you know, have to have some skill, but then also um, a strategic mind in order to understand when to, you know, approach the uh, a particular enemy ship. And like, you know, there are, there are, like, it is, if you're trying at this game, you know, if you're not just the guy who's just running through the middle of the map being a doofus, um, like, you, it yeah. actually is, uh, from a strategic standpoint, um, 
fairly interesting. So yeah, I I don't know. It's um I would check it out if if it's if it um You did check it out. I did check it out. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely. Uh, I definitely recommend it. I would definitely. It's pretty good. <laughs> God damn it. Um, yeah. Anyway. Cool. Yeah. I, okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to ask you one more thing about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why do you, like, obviously, there's no reason you should have to you know this, check it out. But why, <laughs> why, do you, why do you think that these games are so incredibly popular? Because they seem really, really popular to me. Yeah. It's, um, I think it's a combination of things. The, so the round length, um, it's not. Uh, it's it's filling an interesting niche, I think, because it's not Rocket League short, but it's not Dota long, right? Mm-hmm. It's in the middle, which um, actually feels pretty good to me. Like I think you can like complete... TF two round length. No, no, way shorter than that. I mean, I guess TF two round length can vary insanely depending on what game type you're playing. Right, too. and it's it's Counter Strike style. So once you're dead, you're done for the round, hmm. and oh, so you okay. be- you just bop out to the menu and um, just bop out, just bop right out, <laughs> just, just bop, bop right out, out. Uh, bop out of your warm ship, <laughs> dip your toes or whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, it's a combination of I think yeah, like a fifteen minute round, which feels like. This isn't just like a baby game where um, you're just, you know, where there's it's not a baby game like Counter Strike. There's nothing to it. Um, <laughs> I mean, Rocket League. Right. I mean, Sorry. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Well, it's ba- those are baby games. Um, <laughs> that's much shorter what? than I was, thought they were. Actually, I thought it was far more of a longer strategic. I don't know. I've they can never go, but they, they can run on for as long as maybe thirty minutes if it's if you're really like grinding it out. Um, it just sort of depends on your your play style. But I think that's what it is. It sort of allows people to do what they want to do within sort of this larger structure of the yeah. of the round. Like if you want to just be the guy that runs at the enemy team and whatever like a kamikaze um and then just you know go out to the menu and play another round that's fine like there's a function for that within like a team you know that is trying to like do something so um and it's that and then also just the treadmill for um for upgrades that are you know and you can't really you, you can speed it up but you can't you can't really buy them um i don't know it's 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 satisfying in the sort of the it's not a slot machine you know it's something that you're planning for and there's a tech tree that you have to like, you know, yeah. study and kind of go. Okay, I want to get to here and go down. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's like just enough of a meta layer, uh, coupled with sort of a, a medium length, um, you know, satisfying like round. It's kind um, of weird to me that it's eh. round based at all. I assume because of the name that with it that they'd aped. Yeah, I thought, um, I that thought it would it was, be an yeah. MMO of some Man, kind. This is this is the kind of game that proves. So, a thing that has been the case on the PC ever since. I don't know, like the late 90s maybe has been the existence of games with fanatically huge followings mm. that can exist like totally under the radar yeah. of mainstream video game coverage and like mainstream sort of social media discussion. Right, like if like you... World of Tanks could have gotten an article in PC Gamer when it first came out. and right. that, But you would not know that after that one half page right it has then had a community of hundreds of thousands or right. millions yeah. or however yeah. fucking much yeah. forever and, th- th- and there have been yeah. pc games like that for like 20 years now basically um but it feel it feels now like we're past that era of the pc you know in the sort of indie yeah. renaissance that's been the case over the last decade the sort of the pc has become kind of more mainstream again as a game playing platform and steam is there so everything is sort of institutionalized and we have there's a humble bundle and all these things that kind of make Right, PC games feel like more of a kind of overtly presented ecosystem in the way that consoles are, right? Because stuff like this doesn't happen on consoles because everything goes through 
like maybe like the Final Fantasy MMOs is like the closest mm. thing I can think of to that on a console, yeah. and those still don't count because they're freaking Final Fantasy games. Um, and it's cool that there's still things like this where I, someone like me who should know about this stuff. I'm still just like, oh, it's like a free-to-play MMO. Yeah. 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 Nope, it's like this crazy strategy game that infinite people play and you just don't know anything about it. It's really weird. It's just an audience thing. I think it just doesn't overlap with the audience that I would normally be aware of. But I like that the platform can support well, yeah, and I also Audience like... is that different and big. Yeah, and I like that they're probably liking it for, for really valid reasons. I mean, like, I mean, you know, like, it's a well-designed game. It does yeah. a lot of things that I would say, like, you know, are actually taking from other games. It's really, really smart choices. And it's also just really gorgeous. You know, just things I, that I did not expect at all. Yeah. I assumed, oh, it's just going to be kind of a funky yeah. little free-to-play game. You can crank this thing up and it looks amazing. Um, it's really strange. I don't That's know. Awesome. Yeah, it's a really bizarre thing to, like, experience because I'm, I'm not going to play it for much longer than I have. But I don't know. Yeah, I know there's a lot of games. You out there found now. the 2015 version of people who just live inside of flight simulators. For yeah, that's lives. exactly what this is. Yeah. That's hitting. It's hitting that audience, and which actually was underserved for a long time. So it makes sense mm-hmm. that this is back, right? Um, like World really of cool. Warplanes, I'm sure is extremely you know popular because they're Microsoft isn't making whatever combat sim that it was making before. Yeah. Well, nearly like a ton of those games that are under the radar and do exist forever tend to all be about war. <laughs> yeah, it's either a lot of the two era yeah. or civil war era. Kind well, I of think stuff it's with a very obsessed. I mean, I think it's because thing. that is a sort of kind of or like driving a truck. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> there's a kind of the the world has become really sort of hospitable to nerds in the last decade or two, but only a certain kind yeah. of nerd, like. There's like a sanctioned kind of nerd, which is the kind it's a that pop likes culture kind of, geek nerd, right? Pulpy mm. sci-fi and fantasy, basically like space opera and like kind of approachable fantasy say, stuff. Actually, but then there's other kinds yeah. of nerds, like history nerds and stuff, who have yeah. like who that's just not part of the sort of like sanctioned, socially acceptable nerds. So like that kind of nerd has just been totally underserved by yeah. culture well, for a long time. Kings. So they're happy. That's true. Crusader Kings is a really For the underserved like, nerd. <laughs> overlap in terms of yeah. a breakout hit that typically would have only been for that kind of person with that yeah. with like, you know, like interest in those those historical periods. That game totally broke out of that in a really amazing way. Yeah. Idlethumbs.net slash three MA is the podcast for you if any of yeah, these games sound true. appealing. Man. So we've mentioned <laughs> Rob Zachney a lot on this podcast recently because he is one of the hosts of Esports Today, which is the currently the newest show on our network, as well as um, Three Moves Ahead, as well as uh, our upcoming Idol Weekend. But he is totally the kind of guy who's really well-versed. He, he and Troy Goodfellow, who are the two co-founders, or sort of co-leads, I suppose, of Three Moves Ahead. Um, I love talking to Rob, who, who I knew well when I lived in Boston, because he is totally one of those guys who can just just bring up fascinating references from history in a way that is not like condescending or kind of, um, I think he's just actually excited about their relevance to the conversation more than he's excited about telling you about that. that He knows it. (laughs) Yeah. He's, he doesn't ever want to appear like he's superior because he has all this knowledge. Because he is, he doesn't have to, because he he, he fucking is like, he's so fucking smart and knows so much about history and reads like, just interesting history books all the time and just super well-versed in that stuff. Wow. And that's an, I'm glad that there are avenues for people with those interests to um, like actually play well-made things. And like, I don't know. It's cool. It's good that that stuff has found the ability to sort of flourish in a niche way. Man. 
feel really dumb when it comes to history. I've been watching <laughs> drunk history. And no, that man, show. I, I, I like, love that like, show. Oh, I didn't uh, know yeah. that. And you're like, God damn it. I'm learning stuff from a stupid <laughs> show about people being drunk, but it's such a good show. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I should read more history. When I was a kid, I, I hated history. And I remember my dad didn't ever read fiction. Like he only, my dad only read wow. biographies and history. And I only read fiction. Like yeah. I basically never read nonfiction. And like as an adult, I still pretty much read. It's still pretty much what I read. Still pretty much fiction. But every once in a while, I'll just like end up reading a history book, and I'll actually really enjoy it. But then I'll just forget to do that anymore for like a year, because um, I think it's just not part of what's expected out of adulthood anymore. You know, I feel like it used to be. <laughs> it just used to be like if you're sort of an adult who's interested in the world and interested in things, like you know, one of the things you, you'd sort of expected that you'll have some amount of knowledge about history is but it doesn't feel like that's just part of the template of being no an one's expected to make an allusion to anything in history ever when relating anything to anything in conversation but if you watch old movies people do it all the goddamn time yeah that's true what about prehistory mm. <laughs> why why yeah. refer to history yeah when, when history is always changing it's in you... flux because <laughs> the time stream has been meddled with so much see the chart on my wall that i bought off the internet <laughs> what did you know that there was a time when the sixth doctor and Marty McFly were in the same state? <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not true. I don't think. Let's consult my chart. God, everything is going crazy with Back to the Future. Right Man, now. Did you guys know that today was the day when Marty McFly went back to the future? <laughs> I hope this episode actually I, comes out on that day because it's fucking it close. It's definitely today. It's 100% today. It's not a single day off. Definitely Guaranteed. today, and no matter how many tweets you send to me or how many emails you write into <laughs> questions.thumbs.net, you won't convince me otherwise because I know that I'm right, yeah. and I'm definitely right. And there's no chance that I'm anything other than right. There's no chance it's next week. No. Mm-mm. God. Definitely. Just, we're actually really fucking close to it because it is actually no, November no, all, 22nd. Chris. No, no, no. It's not. It's, it's, well, it's whatever, definitely it's whatever it's right date now. today is. I can't remember what date today so, yeah, is. Yeah, people who are listening to this episode now. today, they'll know that it's November 22nd. <laughs> exactly. Or, I mean, whatever date it is. No, it's and that's the You same guys want to take a break? No. Day that the doctor was in Chicago or something? Yeah, is that's that what true. You're yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we just take a break. Video this week's episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by a new sponsor, Artbotic. So Artbotic is, this is a really interesting concept. Basically, they will, on a quarterly basis, send you a box in the mail that is filled with exclusive autographed art. So you get two hand-signed, hand-numbered, hand-numbered prints from kind of up-and-coming illustrators and artists. Uh, you get a limited-run t-shirt uh, designed by an artist, you get like a bunch of stickers, a bunch of just like other like goodies and things that come in the box. Um, but it's basically a way that you can uh, collect interesting, cool art. And you can see examples of it on their website at artbotic.com um, that comes from a variety of artists that they like pull together every three months. That's A-R-T-B-O-T-I-C. It is exactly that. If you go to artbotic.com, and use the coupon code THUMBS, you will get $5 off. So that is a way to sort of try this out, get a discount on it. Um, it's an interesting thing. And I saw also on their website that a portion of the proceeds are going towards an initiative that will help fund arts programs in countries like Laos and Nepal and the Philippines and Kenya. So, That's cool. Yeah, that is a, that is a cool thing. Um, 
yeah, I haven't really seen anything quite like this before. There's obviously subscription programs are becoming popular, but this is yeah. a totally like different. It's like Loot Crate, but completely different take. Yeah, right? totally, totally different take. Um, so it's cool. It's called Artbotic, and if you go to artbotic.com, it's spelled like it sounds, you know. Um, like A-R-T, robotic. Yeah, but with, <laughs> but with an art. Like if it was an art robot, but instead of a robot, it was talented human beings making things by hand. If you go to that website, artbotic.com, and use the coupon code THUMBS, you get $5 off. So thanks, Artbotic. Don't mention it, Chris. Sorry, don't mention it, Chris. <laughs> That's the really lazy artbotic impression. This is how I sound now. <laughs> yeah, robots have come a long way. Well, artbot, sorry. There's a real person here. Video game. This episode of Idle Thumbs is also brought to you by MeUndies, a provider of high-quality underwear and uh, other basic garments that we appreciate. I can vouch for personally. Um, Jake... Do you know how sexy confidence can be? <laughs> uh, Do you, Jake Rodkin? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, Chris. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that I think about often. That you put into practice. I, I wish that's confidential. Well, you, you might be able to get push yourself a little further along that spectrum with, uh, with MeUndies. Hmm. Yeah. If you go to MeUndies.com. And use the actually mandies.com slash thumbs. Huh. Yes. You will get twenty percent off your first order. And they will know that uh, we sent you there and therefore you're helping us out a bit. But if you go to mandies.com slash thumbs, you get twenty percent off. You will also get free shipping on all your orders. They have high quality uh, underwear for both uh, men and women. Um, they have a variety of different kinds of clothing. They're really good, they're high quality. They come in a bunch of different colors and patterns. It's a good place to get good, high-quality, basic undergarments that will probably last last longer than, like, the plastic bag you get at the drugstore full of <laughs> boxers. <laughs> is that what you'd normally wear as underwear? I mean, a I have. Bag when I went, when I went, well, this isn't really related to MeUndies, but when I went home for Thanksgiving <laughs> last year, I lost my um, my luggage or like one piece of luggage at the airport that had all my underwear in it. So I went to just like a drugstore and bought just like the a five dollar like bag of underwear. It wasn't good, wasn't good underwear. Surprise! My meundies are better than that. So I imagine the question you asked me earlier about confidence was not part of the ad. It was just a thing on your mind when you were looking at me and you were yeah. Uh, yeah, that just can't. That just I was a bolt out of the blue. You I'm looked like, at me and you said. Whatever you said about confidence. Mm -hmm. I was like, Jake Rodkin would know a thing or two about sexy confidence. I let you down, Chris. I'm sorry. (laughs) Next time you ask, though, I'll be wearing my MeUndies. And I'll answer differently. MeUndies.com slash thumbs. Video games. Man, Jake, during the break, you mentioned CPU box. Oh, I mentioned it just now, Chris. Yeah, I know. As you mentioned it, presumably in a joking manner. But it is a cool thing to actually mention, even though... There's nothing particularly topical about it. Um, CPU Bach is a game that was developed by Sid Meier and one other person, I can't remember, at Microprose, um, that attempted to simulate, like, that attempted to basically um, determine the character characteristics, qualities, and patterns 
of the music of Johann Sebastian Bach to the point that it can like interactively compose music that is convincingly Sid Meier and, and Jeffrey Briggs. Oh, Jeffrey Briggs. Okay. So he was one of, yeah, he was like a longtime collaborator of Sid Meier's. Um, yeah, you, your 3DO can do its best to on the fly compose Bach compositions. Yeah. What? And uh, th- why did this come up? Someone. It's because the website Hardcore Gaming 101, uh, which is a website that does in depth dives on historical games, did an article on CPU Bach and it got posted to Twitter and everyone said, What the fuck is Sid Meier's yeah. CPU Bach? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool. It was in it was what early night like ninety four or something somewhere I don't know somewhere. What is there. the era of the three DO? I guess late I guess like ninety seven or something. I don't remember. I really don't know. Um, but this was mm. a this was a weird like ninety four. You're right. Yeah. Ni- okay. Um, a weird project <laughs> that Sid Meier did because he just loves the music of Bach and like Sid Meier is in fact I don't know if he still is but for a long time was the organist at his local church. Um, Sid Meier is just a really like sort of a typical game development figure like i don't know he's he's an, he's he's definitely in the category of people we were talking about before the break who like reads history books and knows about right. the world From the maker and, of civilization <laughs> yeah and yeah. railroads didn't read any history and pirates no comes bach yep it's super good i love it yeah it's good so, so is great um and i love that he made a game called cpu bach which is a which is a play on cpe bach which was one of Bach's sons. I think it's Carl Philip Emanuel Bach, if I, if I remember correctly. I know this because I took, oh, piano, like PDQ I Bach. took piano lessons as a kid. What? Like PDQ Bach. Do, do you know what PDQ Bach is? What? Oh, this is incredibly nerdy. It's it's a it's a group that creates like like uh, pseudo like Bach sounding music, but it's just all just garbage. Just it's just <laughs> all like it start it usually starts out sounding like, you know, a Bach chorale or something, but then uh-huh. it just turns into absolute garbage <laughs> every time. Uh-huh. Like it's they're consistent in just making terrible right. music. And they perform like, you know, in, in concert. Right. And you can just go watch them play <laughs> just terrible atonal garbage. It's really good. Anyway. <laughs> good. Doesn't sound that good. <laughs> I thought you said PewDiePie Bach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, PewDiePie Bach. You, trying, trying you know, like a YouTube star, PewDiePie Bach. PewDiePie Bach? Yeah. Pie Bach? PewDiePie Bach? Is that you? The same. Anyway, CPU Bach is cool. Bach is my dad. <laughs> um, I, I don't... That's it. That's it. Just look, <laughs> that's it. look that's up CPU Bach on the internet, sober. and it's a fascinating thing that exists, and you can watch... YouTube videos of of it, uh, and you can yeah, there's the, a video of Sid Meier. The reason I noticed this recently is because um, Doug Wilson, who developed J, uh, JS Joust, um, posted about I guess the Hardcore Gaming 101 um, thing that you're talking about, Jake. But he also linked to a video that was an excerpt of I guess like a doc. Not I don't know what you'd call this. Someone made a video where they just talked to like tons of musicians and creative people about what they like about J.S. Bach and Sid Meier, like almost everyone in there was a musician, but that also Sid Meier was in there. Because that video series game. must have been really made cool. right sometime around the time of, of CPU Bach. Was no, it not? No, no, no. Oh, weird. No, it was, it was within the last several years. So it's just so made it by very, a nerd. Like, very much a retrospective. Yeah. For, for Sid Meier, he was talking about a thing that he worked on yeah. a long time ago. 
Um, but it was it was cool. Anyway, and maybe he'll bring it back the way that he brought pirates back. Well, bring it back. yeah, uh, Soren Johnson, <laughs> who Soren Johnson, who is the lead designer of Civilization Four, and who also runs the Designer Notes podcast on our network. Jesus, I know. When when this came up on Twitter and everyone was talking about CPU Bach for like two days, uh, Soren replied and said that he basically spent years trying to get Sid Meier to make a new version of CPU Bach. Oh man! I mean, all the algorithms presumably you could have just kept yeah. the same you just you just would have had way like better more convincing modern synthesis for the actual you music. get so much deeper into that fugue with a new computer yeah. i mean you could <laughs> so <laughs> thanks jake computer processing unit this oh. it's, it's central fuck me i've got to go. it's hot in here <laughs> In the, in the Bach family, it's computer. <laughs> God, that's just that's just a um, that's just a fucking Frank Zappa child name. Computer, computer processing unit. Yes, it is. His daughter is named Moon, Moon unit. unit. Yeah, Moon <laughs> Unit. Oh, of Zappa. M U B Bach. Man, Dweezil and Moon Unit. Yep, pretty good. <laughs> I saw Dweezil Zappa play at the Gang Awards, the Game Audio Network really? Guild at GDC, like 2007 or something. Wow. Yeah. Huh. I guess I wasn't there for that one. Yeah. You weren't in the gang. I went to the point. gang. I used to go to the Gang Awards. I don't know why, but I did. Because you love game audio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's up, guys, on this podcast that's really uh, just humming along? Yep. Oh, yeah, we're back. I forgot <laughs> oh, about that. It's just, oh, God, you had to know. That, yeah, anyway. <laughs> the podcast after Danielle left, we would just like weirdly float. Guys, Even though we've done this, podcasts like, without Danielle, this weird it's just like game, like you know, world of war boats. So you just like <laughs> you could write this anyway. Um, all right. Well, here's an actual thing that happened really recently. I only found out about this like an hour before the podcast, and I thought it was really cool. Scoops. Um, some 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 people have maybe just one person. I'm I'm not quite sure has just like started developing new content and patches for space base DF nine, which is a double fine, um, like space base simulator game that Jake and I coincidentally both worked on, but that's not really like that. That's not why I think it's interesting or, or relevant to this discussion. Um, but it's just a cool thing that is happening because the, the game script to that game was like, released with a permissive enough license, the guy just decided, like, I'm just going to add more stuff to this game. And there's, like, a thread on the Double Fine forums where the guy is just, like, releases his new patch and has just been tracking the progress Do you know what stuff this? is actually included inside of this? Or I, I, um, It's not really relevant, but unless, yeah, unless like, you're a person who's played a bunch of Space Base. There's a combination of, like, tuning-style stuff as well as there is just some new content. And one of the, like, a bunch of new content, as far as I can tell, not, like a game changing amount probably, but, but the, one of the things in the, um, thread is people who just have, you know, he's like, I'm going to put in some more disease names and then people have ideas and someone throughout the idea. Um, what if the, uh, what if one of the diseases was called loving you so that you could be like, Oh, got a bad case of loving you just inserted into the into like, like, like a valentine's day card yeah, yeah. The, the just mad libs structure of the way the game uh which is like kind of the 
it's there's a lot of stuff in that thread that is in the spirit of the sense of humor of that game, mm-hmm. which is cool. Um, people trying to sort of like fit into the tonal universe of space space. Um, it's just a, it's a cool thing to see. Like it's a really cool, uh, um, pretty unique. Yeah, I, I like it in the case of space space because that is a. It's a real like space space is a pretty aggressively simulated game. Like it's it sort of is yeah. aiming for being somewhere between uh like a a builder and base management game and a social simulator like the sims or something like that right. yep and that in and of itself is weird but also it was a relatively small game like space space you know it was an early access game that was not in development for very long before it one point out out of being in development um so it's cool to see that specific thing get picked up by a dude on the internet and mm-hmm. screwed with the way that usually doesn't seem like it happens unless it's something like worms armageddon or like an old sure like i really wish that bungie had kept making marathon games or right. something yeah, you know yeah, like yeah, it's yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah, usually yeah, totally. not space-based yeah. df9 uh game about space chickens and neon cheeseburger signs and stuff yeah yeah anyway yep it's a cool thing um because i've i mean i found out about it basically right before we did this podcast so i i don't know as much about it as i probably could um but it just seems like a really awesome project. It's like very feels very much in the spirit of that game, um, which is just like knowing JP, who who you know has been on this podcast before and was the project lead of that game. Like he his whole he has he's very you know he's a very sort of community oriented person and very kind of like into sort of collective structures and stuff. And so it seems like a cool way for that game to be extended. So mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah. Space base, mm-hmm. man. I'm going to talk about space bases for half a second, even though I've, I, so I'm back on, um, I'm back on Super Metroid. Oh yeah, oh man, because, because I'm a bad person who will never finish Super Metroid and You've just never starts finished it over Super and over. Metroid? No, okay. I talked about Super Metroid on the podcast like two years ago when I'd been playing it obsessively, and after just, uh, I was, I was. I was rereading an article that I once read that was a deep dive into sort of the structure of Super Metroid and how players discover things across yeah. the game. And as you said, the way that you sort of cycle, like loop over the map multiple times. And it was a, a really strong examination of it. And it made me realize that when I last talked about Super Metroid on the podcast two years ago, I was like four fifths of the way done with that game and I didn't know it. Um, but I was playing it on an emulator on a computer that I no longer have. So I just bought it on the Wii U store and I've been playing it, man, in my new apartment. This is bad that I've discovered this. The Wii U controller um, has range into Mm -hmm. the bedroom. Oh, man. (laughs) So I now just have a functioning Wii U that I can play in bed. I know. (laughs) Man, it it seems great, but the buttons are so loud. It's really bad, actually. The Wii U buttons are loud. (laughs) So you can't play it like... I can't, like, like, plug in the headphones and just play while Dana is asleep because I would just be a child going on a game controller, which is literally what I am, literally with a child's toy. Right. But um, holy fuck, Super but Metroid you is good. But you wouldn't be able to mask it, which is basically the right. goal of our like pop culture society. Right, is to allow you to be a child <laughs> yeah, with your toys, I can't but to it's like just very but to, for it to be a secret to everyone. Oh man, for you. <laughs> our evening life, uh, a couple of like just a couple nights this week, once I discovered this, became a bad scene because it was us in bed next to each other. With me playing Super Metroid and her on the iPad playing Hearthstone, woof! That is that was a, it was an interesting. We both sort of went, 
<laughs> okay. Well, this is... <laughs> man, Dana's into Hearthstone. Oh, yeah. Dana loves Hearthstone. Wow. Oh, I man. would not have guessed that. Yeah. She played it a bunch when she got her iPad like two two years ago or whatever. And then I told her that Tavern Brawl exists, which is the what sort is of that? like... It's the like... Like the mutations, like weekly different game rules. Everyone, yeah. everyone plays oh, with like a cool. fixed challenges. deck or weekly challenges. And then now she plays it every night. The Tavern Brawl exists. It only runs a few days a week. Um, wow. Yeah. Huh. Interesting life. But anyway, Super Metroid. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't know what to say about Super Metroid other than. It's still good. I never played Super Metroid as a kid. I didn't own yeah. Super Metroid. I didn't own Metroid either. I played the hell out of Metroid Prime. Um, and I really, like, I, I guess for a person who's my age, which is 34, who grew up in the United States of America, and uh, the Super Nintendo is the game console that I, like, have the probably most historic affinity for. But, man, I just fucking love the aesthetic of the Super Nintendo, especially given the place that Nintendo, or that Nintendo as a company is now. If you go back and look at mm. Star Fox, Super Metroid... Uh, and like Yoshi's Island and a few other games like that. The just the aesthetic sensibility of that company at that time was fucking hardcore. Like not not like hardcore in any like disgusting way, but just like <laughs> like if you. I mean, I imagine you guys remember the opening of Super Metroid. It's basically yeah. just sort of like really light but ominous strings. And just red text says 1994, and then it cuts to like a slow pan pl- past like a really zoomed in pixel art version of a console that's flickering, and then it says Nintendo with a dead person on the ground, and then it pans past a fucking pixel art corpse, and yeah. then it says presents yeah. Metroid Three, which is yeah. not what it's called, but I think they just liked <laughs> Alien I love that movies. It's called that in the yeah, and then the it credits. says Super Metroid Wait, again. Is it really? Oh, I don't yeah, it says that. Nintendo presents Alien th- or Metroid Three. Alien, Alien 3. Three, basically whatever. But it's just this crazy, ominously dark lit thing that looks like it ha- like sprite art that almost looks like it's like wolfenstein 3d basically yeah. like not like it's grim but you're just like that's just a lady scientist dead on the ground and like the whole opening of that game man whatever just like i my my mental image of what nintendo is the, um... is is so shaped at this point by the gamecube plus that if you go back and look at sort of just how intense and sci-fi looking that game is and how basically so many games that that try to look like a pixel art sci-fi game at this point are just actually aping super metroid from 1994 it's it's, true uh, it's interesting for me it's always in those like dark grays like the the gray scale you know side of like the pixel art i don't Mm -hmm. don't know like like the the whole run-up to the um to uh like when you land on the planet and then there's like 10 or 15 minutes of just exploring like the dead, you know, version of the level before all the monsters come out. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. there's well, just that that really quiet, like, uh, and it's almost like it feels like desaturated, you know, and it's like a really interesting, there's, like the way that Nintendo achieves a cinematic, a, a cinematic feel inside of a game that is like not cinematic in its like in its camera presentation, but Metroid just you're in control the entire time. You control the pacing of, of the experience of the opening 15 minutes of Metroid of Super Metroid. But it feels like the most directed and presented cinematic experience. Like it, uh, yeah, yeah, that you the all the stuff on the abandoned base that then then the countdown timer goes and you've got to leave. Mm. But like 
somehow they have like gradient based fog and mist on a Super Nintendo and it's really yeah. impressive and then the whole scene starts to tip which is surprising as fuck mm-hmm. and then yeah you end up on the planet that's empty other than just the rain sound effects and t- which and is actually the planet I guess I mean it's the same planet for Metroid it is, 1 you, and you, so you're, you drop you're going back down, the... you drop back down into the room that Mother Brain exactly. was killed in in Metroid 1 which is 1. crazy just as a cons- you know like yeah I don't know <laughs> I think this is the exact conversation you and I had two Probably. years ago I'm sorry <laughs> But it's really high concept for a Super Nintendo game, period, right? Yeah, I mean, the, like, there's no other Super Nintendo game you can point to that was doing anything like it's, that. It's crazy. Yeah, also, thinking about this game as a contemporary for from Nintendo to Super Mario World and Ocarina of Time, although I think it came out later, it's sort of the Super the 16-bit entry into the Metroid series. Mm-hmm. Man, that game has concerns that are just at a different level from other Nintendo stuff at that time. Just yeah. Metroid Prime or Metroid Prime Jesus. Metroid Super Metroid has the like constantly running music of a Super Nintendo game that you, or that you think about when you think about 8 and 16 bit games, except that it absolutely doesn't because like every four or five screens mm. the music changes, but then also it's totally down for just giving you a striking moment where you walk into a door and there's nothing but a ground plan and you can't see the top of the room and there's no music. There's just the sound of your footsteps like on the metal yeah. running for like yep. 10 screen widths worth of space. Yeah. It's so, so crazy. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know. Super Metroid. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, what's up, Chris? Oh, no. I just because you're, you're talking about this, the aesthetic of that console and that mm-hmm. time. Have you seen Read Only Memories? No. Okay, this is a game that I have not played far enough of to have any kind of like interesting or worthwhile opinion on, but you should look it up because okay. it is it is it is not the Nintendo aesthetic of nineteen ninety four Super Nintendo, but it is definitely a game it came out like today, I think. It oh, came yeah. out like okay. now. It looks like um like Snatcher or something, like a the you know the Hideo Kojima adventure game that mm-hmm. that was basically contemporary to um, super, uh, super Metroid games like that, I think. Um, it looks like um, a SNES era adventure game, right? You know, where there's there are sort of illustrated back two D backgrounds mm-hmm. that are composed and and straight ahead, um, and uh, it is a style of kind of console pixel retro throwback that is not usually done that's really cool yeah it's interesting i um it's a cool i don't know it's a cool thing and there's it's got music that that evokes that era as well nice um i know that it started as a kickstarter run by the by gamer x i think the mm-hmm. like the the, the con- conference the conference yeah, yeah um, and re- is related to that community um but i think it's sort of like maybe outgrew its original um kind of spec and like became um uh, I don't know, like a bigger game than it was going to be. I, I believe that's the case. Anyway, it's called Read Only Memories, and um, obviously, I'm not qualified to like give a real opinion. But it's a cyberpunk thing. The, the thing that struck me about it when I started playing it, because I didn't know anything about the plot at all, other than it was some kind of cyberpunk thing. I think Danielle mentioned it like a year yeah. ago, maybe. Um, it's set in Neo San Francisco in 2064, Good. and I didn't know that. And I started playing it, and there's references to like really specific. San Francisco like sub neighborhoods that are just part of the you know just dialogue and back tender knob 2064 <laughs> tender knob <laughs> um it's uh I don't know it was good. so that that was a surprise to me because I don't you San yeah, Francisco no, right now is so much in the air of yeah. like 
the Golden Gate Bridge being destroyed in every movie and so on. It was funny to see a version of that that yeah, actually that's, has that's like really hyper-local cool. references. Yeah, man. It's it's strange to go back to... I, I, I played Super Nintendo way longer than that console had any business being played by anyone. But looking back at it now, like where it's it's really, really sort of crisp pixel art style across all of their games, but there's not... But all the games themselves are very self-contained in their own aesthetic, like F-Zero and Star Fox and Super Metroid are yeah, all sci-fi true. games, but they don't look the same. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. I, I'm sure that what Nintendo was doing at that time was not cutting edge, like because things like Metal Slug existed, but... Mm-hmm. All of the, all of those self-contained, incredibly realized aesthetics that were not concerned with necessarily being like trend-setting or trend-following at the time, like it wasn't anime-inspired or kids' cartoon-inspired mm-hmm. or inspired by films at that time, even though it still feels of that era. And also, all those games feel very all ages and interesting and diverse without yeah. without forcing themselves so aggressively into the umbrella of being a family game which i think nintendo just mm, traps themselves right. yeah, over yeah. and over again now like a little kid can play super well, metroid nintendo got into the worst version of that where yeah they their internal stuff was that and then every once in a while they would try to be like but also we're yeah. publishing this like super rare yeah. metroid game. other m yeah. no i don't mean that i mean like <laughs> you do also mean I that didn't, uh, that's not what i was thinking of but what i meant was like Bayonetta 2, only on Wii. Right. Nintendo wow. tried Resident to reclaim. Resident Evil Zero. Like Resident Evil, yeah. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with those no, games, but right. I just mean it was a really shitty version of Zombie Nintendo Wii trying to it's, cover all the It feels the like it's this weird binary of it's either for exactly. all families or it's for a gamer. And I, I, like, I know that it's stupid for me, like I said, as a 34-year-old American dude to say, man, remember the Super Nintendo and how great it was? <laughs> Fuck me. But like, I do think that that lineup was a really good template for like... Super Metroid seems fucking dangerous. F-Zero seems like a crazy high-risk racing game. You can think they're cool as a teenager or as a 25 or 35-year-old or as an 8-year-old. Mm-hmm. If you're a dorky dude who likes video games, I guess, or a dorky person <laughs> of any gender or whatever. But, like, ah, I don't know. It's Yeah. I'm, I'm really enjoying being recaptivated by Super Metroid. So you think they lost that... By the end time, N sixty four rolled around. I don't entirely know. No, I mean, no, I don't think N sixty four. When was the thing? The, like GameCube, GameCube which, is a, which is a console I otherwise love. Yeah, it's when they. It's but that like was kind of when they really slid. The that. the how many millions of Mario parties can we put out? And like that era seems like it was when when Nintendo decided or realized, probably more appropriately, that, that their Super Mario universe cast of characters had by virtue of people growing up with these things, had the cachet of Disney characters. It feels mm. like they just, like, tripled down yeah. on everything having that aesthetic, which seems misguided given that it seems like they're doing the Mickey Mouse and Friends thing, but that was, what like, what Disney did in, like, the 30s through the 50s, and now Disney puts out, like, Pirates of the Caribbean movies and Star Wars or, what you know, whatever the heck. They, they don't... Disney's definition, even of that... Is is closer to what I feel like Nintendo was doing in the '90s, yeah. as far as just the breadth of content that they put out under the sort of all ages entertainment banner. I don't know. That's yeah. true. Um, anyway, I don't know. I'm talking about this as much as I am. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, it was I was just reminded of it so intense intensely. You guys want <laughs> to? Just <laughs> the problem with the N64 is that it's ugly as fuck. If you go look look at Ugh. Super Nintendo games, they're so good. Anyway, no, it's true. Fuck the N64. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Mario 64 is garbage. It's fine. Mario Sunshine's the good one, though. 
<laughs> I'm just I'm, I, fucking bring it. I mean, it's not. Nick Brecken is not pleased about what is being said. Yeah, right jump now. in a fucking painting. It looks like Christmas Lemmings. No, it looks like Lemmings. <laughs> it looks like Lemmings 3D. Christmas Lemmings is great. Yeah. 2D, classic, beautiful. Jake is old manning to the max right now. God, yeah. I fucking hate Mario 64. <laughs> really? I'm done. You have to be. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for hating Mario 64 given how much you like it and how much I think you have good taste. Yeah. For, I would definitely for being recommend the it. first like full polygon game I ever played. I liked how abstract it was. Um, I'm sure going back now it would fall apart instantly, but I don't know. I liked it. I liked its like sort of vague yeah, I, nature. I've, I've talked about this before, but it was so hard to go from Nintendo on the Super Nintendo at just like the top of their fucking game from an aesthetics and just like tight everything standpoint to just like right. that blobby fucking mess with Mario <laughs> having that shitty accent. Which is why I think the people that tend to love it are probably just slightly younger than us and didn't go from that to that. They just went straight to Mario 64 and went, Whoa, or their parents, or their parents wouldn't let them own Quake before Mario 64. Or came that, out. yeah, I, it's true. I did not play Quake before Mario 64. Or whatever so. 3D games on computers, <laughs> yeah. like real people. It, it was, yeah. <laughs> Jake's just wow. out of How many buttons does your mouse have? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go into email check your keybinds, right Nick. Um, so here's here's an email. Check your keybinds at the door. Whoa, <laughs> things have gotten violent here. <laughs> Um, I don't usually read this category of email, but I'm going to read this one just because it, it's, it's kind of adorable. Jake so, can eat shit, writes Nick Brackett. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want everyone to write in and talk about Mario 64 and how great it was. Uh, no, don't do that. Maybe by the end of this email, you will have written that email. God, Ooh. someone's just going to write it and tell me everything about Mario 64. That's, That's fine. fine. They'll yeah. be wrong, and really? it's fine. Just don't do that, please. No, they can write in about why it's good. Why not? No, it's great. I've heard why it's good. What's up? So many times. Okay, well, it's fine. You All can right. love it. That's great. Do whatever you want. Uh, Nicole Dutka writes, Hi, Adel Thumbs team. I'm running this email because my husband, Will, who is a fan of your podcast, has his birthday this Sunday, the 4th of October. Whoops. And I was hoping you may give him a shout out for his birthday. We got married a few weeks ago, and as a wedding gift, I surprised him by buying a 4K 28-inch monitor for him to use when he games. Apparently, the one I got him is the wrong resolution or something like that. So I've given up buying him gaming stuff. Uh, I was wondering if you could do a shout out for him. That would be a great gift. The right, uh, the right thing to get him was an 8K monitor, he told me. <laughs> yeah, right. um, wasn't the 4th of October I'm, the day that Marty McFly travels to and back to the It was future? exactly the that day, day right? that Marty McFly travels oh, to. Oh, yeah. man. That's, in, that's yeah, true. It's exactly that day. Um, P.S. I'm not really into gaming, but I enjoy the podcast and listen to it with my husband. I'm not a gaming enthusiast, but your podcast is enjoyable and fun to listen to. Thanks for your time, Nicole. Well, I'm sorry about that earlier part. I'm also sorry that your husband loves Mario 64 and wanted a, <laughs> and wanted a standard definition CRT Why television. Why did you give me a 480i? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give me a Zenith 27-inch Zenith Sony, CRT. Sony Trinitron. Trinitron. Oh, man, the Trinitron. I need to see that giant I need, eel's face. I need face. Mario to be as fuzzy as possible. <laughs> I need to know that that sphere rolling down the hill is not just a picture of a sphere, but is actually 3D. <laughs> All right. Matt Higgins writes, hey, Thumbs, sorry if the site has been mentioned already. If you have heard of... Have you heard of wait, we didn't give the shout out to... Uh, whatever. Hi, yeah. We did by thumbs. way of reading. Hi, happy oh. birthday. Happy birthday. Woo! There you go. Happy birthday, Will. For okay. Last Sunday. Um, Matt Higgins writes, Hey, Thumbs, have you heard of MetalGearTimeline.com? I agree with Chris about it being a little difficult to understand what happens in the Metal Gear games by reading a wiki, but I found this format to be more digestible than a wiki. Hope this helps, Matt. Um, so I went to MetalGearTimeline.com, 
and it's a really impressive um, collection of chronological information about Metal Gear. And I just kind of decided I'm not going to read all this, but like, <laughs> but it's, but if you do want to find that stuff all out, you can on that website. It's cool. Is it an official? No, 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 I assume not. It's so good no. that it's Metal Gear Timeline.com has one purpose. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not official, but it's, but you know, it's, it's a cool thing though. Uh, so there's that. Um, what else do we have here? Oh, Finn Downs writes, Hey thumbs, the discussion you had last week about Nick Bostrom's paper on life on Mars and the Fermi paradox was great. I wanted to point out there were scenarios where we could find life on Mars and it wouldn't have devastating implications for the survival of the human race. One example is the theory of panspermia. It is possible life could have originated on Earth or even Mars and was then transferred between the two planets via meteorites. It might seem unlikely that microbial life would be able to survive the impact, a space vacuum, or the radiation it would be subjected to, but there's evidence that it could. After all, there are microbes living in geothermal vents at the bottom of the ocean. We've also found meteorites on, meteorites on Earth that have originated on Mars. The panspermia theory has flaws too, and I'm not a scientist, so don't take what I say as gospel, but it makes me better, makes me feel better to hear reasons why humanity might not be doomed. Keep up discussions about the future because Robot News is what hooked me on the podcast in the first place. Cheers, Finn from <laughs> Sydney. Um, Thomas Huber writes, I was listening to Nick describe Vigo the Carpathian while I was walking through a pitch black area of my neighborhood on a moonless night. His story got into my head and I could swear I heard someone in the bushes and footsteps following me. Needless to say, that was the fastest I've ever walked that block. I'm a 27-year-old man. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Tom Huber. It was Vigo the Carpathian. <laughs> he killed me. I'm dead. The wizard. Baboo. Um, Thanks for that. Yeah. Are you thanking Chris for saying the wizard baboo? Yeah. You're welcome. Spass been on this podcast like on and off for months now waiting for you to say that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's I can, that, I guess. Yeah. For this week. I can quit and move to New York now. True. You've done that. <laughs> uh, one of us will be moving to New York each week. Please vote on who you would like to move to New York the most. <laughs> You'll have to balance. Like you cannot you... keep voting for Danielle. Right. She has already done that. Press two for Mario. Yeah, who do you want to be joining? Well, the vo- with, the voting, with, the, with the voting, you have to like. You're kind of making a decision. Both who do you want to remove from this lineup, but yeah. who do you want to add to Danielle's new podcast? Right. So there's like an interesting give take to that. Oh man, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, just a note to the jury: we ask that you do not consider the Mario sixty four testimony <laughs> when making your decision, <laughs> unless, of course, uh, your opinion about it is correct. <laughs> well, what that that undersea level is amazing. The, the... I'm not going to get into it. Nick, come on. What's wrong with Mario 64? It's fine. He just told you. Why are you asking him again? Stop. Don't, um, don't, let, him do, don't let him do this, Nick. Uh, thanks for listening to Idle Thumbs. If you like this podcast somehow. Um, if you still like it. This, <laughs> if you still like this podcast, uh, please recommend us to a friend. That is a really, really helpful way for us to get the word out. And it's probably how pretty much everyone listening, I would guess, most of the people who listen to this podcast probably heard it from someone else who has listened to it. So if you like this show and think that you have friends who would, let them know. We would really appreciate it. That would be awesome. Uh, You could review us on iTunes as well if you're feeling super generous. And uh, we run a number of other podcasts on our network at idlethumbs.net. 
including the recently launched Esports Today with Rob Zachney and Andrew Gruen, uh, as well as the monthly in-depth game developer interview show Designer Notes with Soren Johnson and uh, sort of a sort of rotating crew of interviewers at this point. Um, so, yeah. Stay tuned for Idle Weekend with mm. uh, Danielle and Rob Zachney. When's that starting up? Uh, within the next few weeks. Yep. Nick. Exciting. The way that Mario moves oh my God. is fantastic. Jesus. But that game is ugly as fuck. I'm out of here. Conceptually, guys. it's a fucking <laughs> mess. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Mario Galaxy is great. Chris edited out everything I said about Mario 64. It was great content, Chris. Right. People what? were really going to engage okay. with that right. content. Okay.